Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's hosts Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Welcome to Season 19, Episode 11, powered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide in Junior Prospect Hockey League. Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. Happy to bring on Jason Bukla and as well as Brad Allen. We're going to talk a little bit about Team Canada's camp and what transpired over you know, the last few days as we're recording this because cuts have been made. And I'm always interested in the decision-making within a group. Jason, you've been in that at a NHL level. Uh, in terms of, you know, camps and which guys that you're sending back down and which guys are going to make it to you know, the American League or the NHL and Hockey Canada and their situation is no different. But one of the things I, I really found fascinating, and we talked about it the other day, is when I'm evaluating players for this camp, I always look at what they don't, what they do without the puck. Mm-hmm. Just depending on the player, most of the time, you're looking at somewhere between 96 to 99% of the time, you're on the ice or like in that 60 minute game, you don't have the puck. Yeah. Like it could be up to 99% of the time you don't have the puck. So what do you do when you don't have the puck? And to me, that is the factor that separates the players that for me, that should get cut or don't get cut in that respect. Yeah. It's interesting. I know when we were talking about that the other day, it's uh, I think that's a fascinating analogy, you know, cause that is reality. Uh, Brad, like 99% of the time that you are on the ice, uh, maybe a little bit less for certain players like a Celebrini, for example, you really don't have the puck. I mean, you're in motion, you're usually off the puck or you're anticipating where the play is going to develop. And and certainly, Shane, to your point, when you're we're talking about a tournament like this, the details are really, really uh, important. They're, they're more important. Everything's magnified, right? So, um, you know, you get you take a player like Carson Rakoff, for example, you know, 31 goals in the Ontario Hockey League. He makes the team, leads the OHL in scoring with, I think, 55 overall points, that is. Um, you know, so I was curious to watch him play yesterday and see how he mined down uh, defensively, see what his awareness is. And uh, Team Canada, it appears, at training camp anyways, are going to play a man-on-man defensive zone coverage, um, which means that everybody better be dialed in, especially over there with the extra width on the ice. I believe we're going to be playing on a hybrid ice surface in Sweden, which means that it's wide like an Olympic, but it's just the same length as a uh, NHL uh, ice surface. But if you're not scoring goals and you're not playing to the identity per se that you're uh, you've been thrust into with your club team, you better be doing all the rest of the stuff exceptionally well. Be above the play when you don't have the puck in the offensive zone track back appropriately in the neutral zone. And then of course, lock on to your guy in the defensive zone. So can't skate, can't think, can't play. Uh, it's nice that you can have goal scores and all the rest of it, but the other two things, uh, these are things that are magnified at big events like this. I'm, brought, I'm glad you brought up Celebrini because for myself, I'm wondering what both of you think about this is where do you feel that his impact lies relative to other top end Canadian prospects over the last couple of years? When you compare him to Shane Wright and Adam Fantilli, Quinton Byfield, Connor Bedard, obviously, uh, where do you guys think he factors in here for Team Canada? I'll take it first, I guess, Shane. Like for me personally, uh, his his game falls somewhere in between McKinnon and Fantilli, um, the way that it projects out. He plays like his hair's on fire. 
his three zone effort is off the charts. Like this kid competes relentlessly all over the ice. I think that he can be used in defensive zone scenarios as well as offensive zone scenarios, obviously, for Team Canada. I would trust him 100% in the defensive zone. Wins, draws, has a plan, enters the faceoff circle with everybody knowing what's about to happen, where we're going with the play. Um, if he loses the draw, he locks onto his guy. There was no issues with that at all. He was Celebrini was, was Team Canada's best player in this camp. I expect him to not only carry the load offensively at the tournament, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's thrown out there for some key defensive scenarios as well. One of the things that I may not get talked about is what Celebrini is going to do to the rest of the roster because he's a draft eligible player. And if he is the one that's leading in terms of pace, energy, work ethic, intelligent play, it forces all the older players to ramp their game up because there's a level of personal pride that every player has on team Canada. Yes. They're a collective group, but you don't want to be, yes, he's obviously uber talented celebrating. We all admit that, but there's an aspect mentally and emotionally that he's going to push this team to another level in terms of what their output's going to be and what their attention to detail is going to be. So I'm really interested to see how he personally impacts the rest of the roster, particularly his line mates as that, you know, the line, the lines kind of configure themselves over the next week or two. Yeah, I think that that's interesting. And again, you know, depending on what role we already know, he's going to be thrust in the offensive role. So if he starts to be utilized defensively, let's just say somebody in the bottom six, I don't really see this roster necessarily as having like a top six, bottom six. It's an interesting group. Um, but whoever is that guy, call it um, Fraser Minton. Let's just use him as an example. And he's struggling in the faceoff dot for some reason. Um, and yeah, you have other options like Danielson and some other guys who are going to play out of position um, who are centermen. But having said that, you know, Celebrini might elevate his game to the point where, you know, he takes over some of these other secondary small roles, even in those smart or, or a short little burst. So what I mean by that is, you know, we need a key win in the neutral zone. We have, you know, or the defensive zone on the strong side, you know, he might win a draw and come off because he's towards the tail of a, of a ship before or something like that. So I think it's good. It's healthy. They're going to push each other. Celebrini um, um, will obviously uh, with his energy and compete, uh, elevate the people around him. One of the interesting things, I'm glad you guys brought a couple, you know, points up is, when the you do the roster construction, you talk about it's almost like they're in some cases in the past emulating the NHL roster, and I understand I don't understand why you would do that when you have that level of talent within this peer group. That's a that's an Olympic team, you know, in terms of its peer group amongst its age group. So for me, it's just like you don't have one line doesn't have to play seven minutes more than another line. Like these are all top line players on their respective teams. They could all roll respectively, you know, 15 minutes a game and just spread it out amongst And Some are going to play more because they're playing hot or play, guys are more aching to play in the power play. And some guys are maybe a little bit obviously better on the penalty kill, but I don't understand why there's like you configure it a one through four lineup when you don't have to do that. Thoughts. You want to go first? Yeah, well, I was just going to say there's there's obviously tremendous depth. Though you know what, this year relative to some others, I, I don't consider this one of the stronger teams Canada's put on the ice. Especially when you look at their back end and and net, I feel like there's some vulnerability there but where some teams could surprise. 
Uh, yeah, the forward group is obviously uh, dynamic. I think Celebrini is uh, a true number one overall pick. You know, some in recent years we've had a couple of these kids. You know, Shane Wright was projected to be that. He ended up going fourth. His his career hasn't taken off in the way some people thought it was going to. Uh, I didn't. Adam Fatila was fine at this event. He played his role well. He did what he was supposed to do, and he adapted to his role. But he wasn't the game changer, impact player that Bedard was. So where does Celebrini fall? I think Celebrini is going to have to pull off something close to what Bedard did uh, in order to get this done potentially, because I don't think it's it's one of the strongest rosters. In fact, I think pound for pound, you could say the states is probably stronger than Canada this season. Yeah, I think that there's an argument to be made with uh, with other teams for sure. And I, I think to your point, though, Shane, it's going to be wise to rule out as many um, consistent groups as possible to wear down the opponent. I think that's the approach with this group. Uh, you know, they do have some skill. They have a nice mix. But I think really what, what stands out, too, is that they've got some high-end compete guys who will, um, as my dog is saying hello to somebody, sorry about that, everybody, um, uh, they got some high-end compete guys who will play with their hairs on fire and, and really push up and down the ice. Relentless compete is, I think, how they have to identify. You know, and I agree with that. I think one of the things that I identified with this forward group is how many of them are I would consider adept defensive forwards. Like, yes, they produce, produce points in their respective clubs, but those are guys that I would trust in you know defensive zone, penalty kill, last minute. Like, if you look at you know, guys like, you know, Minton, um, you know, for example, as well as Danielson, like those are guys who can match up defensively against any forward in the opposition. So they have some leniency in terms of doing that. There's something to be said for, you know, suffocating your opposition and wearing them down to the point where like they just wear out and there's value in that. I know everybody wants to look at the offense and pushing up and pace and up and down the ice. But there is something to be said for just defensively suffocating, like almost like Jacques Lemaire, New Jersey devils. You're not going to get an inch anywhere near the net. And we're going to hound you all the way up and down the ice to the point where mid third round period, you're giving up, you're giving up. And because you got nothing left in the tank and we just worn you down. So that's what I'm really interested to see from that standpoint, but we should take a short break on hockey prospect radio. We'll come back. We'll talk about the goalies in the D for Canada briefly right after these messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown on their own, they're essential, but altogether they're undeniable. Introducing huddle Instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. 
Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at FractalHockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca.